This is Sports Without Balls. I'm your host, Erin Foley, a stand-up comic obsessed with women's sports. Each week, I interview female athletes, coaches, reporters, you name it, whose stories on and off the field inspire us to take our lives up a notch. Let's do this. My guest today is a former professional soccer player and a great one. She was a member of the 2011 World Cup team, the 2012 gold medal Olympic team, and played on all three women's professional soccer leagues over the course of 10 years. She's currently a commentator for the National Women's Soccer League and training to be an American Ninja Warrior. How cool is that? Ladies and gentlemen, it's Lori Lindsay. The crowds in the studio are going crazy. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? Isn't it crazy with like the social media? I mean, I always have to post, you know, because of stand up and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, why does anyone want to see what I did on Friday? You know, but then it is the opposite is like, you know, we used to watch all your favorite athletes on the field and like, you know, that was it. And that was enough. And that's fine. But then like, you're like, oh, what is Lori Lindsay doing last Wednesday? Like, it's so weird that I can like, because that's literally how I felt like I got to know you. I was like, this lady's so fun. She's awesome. And literally, that's how this whole thing came to be. Well, you're always one of my favorite players, but I was like, fun level. I was like, I want her on the podcast. (laughs) Awesome. I'm happy to be here. This is wonderful already. Do you, do you feel like you have to like post all this stuff on like Insta? Like, do you, do you like, do you like it or is it a challenge? You know, that's actually an interesting question because I've been talking a lot about social media recently and for a long time it felt like a challenge and then I stopped posting anything for a while and now I'm slowly creeping back in. Yeah. So, and just making it more fun and not feeling like it has to be polished or um, look a certain way. Right. So it's just like post whatever I want to post then move on. Yeah. You got to take, I also think there's like a fine line of professional athletes because you must have like so many creepers. Like if you put like, you're like, here's me in front of my house. All of a sudden like Sheila, you know, uh, next door is like <laughs> popping out through the bush, being like, that's Lori Lindsay's house. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I hope Sheila doesn't come by. <laughs> I'm just saying like, you don't like that stuff. Like you don't think about, but then you guys are on this like next level. Um, I have friends that are insane fans. They're like, we got to figure out what hotel these uh, the, the women's professional team is staying at. I'm like, no, no, we don't. <laughs> That's... Yeah, I mean, no, it's not that bad. I mean, more when I was playing, yeah. I would definitely have um, more people that reach out. Now it's like fun. People saying like, good luck, whether it's American Ninja Warrior, just saying hi. So I appreciate okay, the interaction. Good. I actually really enjoy it. And it's not too. Um... I'm right behind your couch. Yeah, it's not too, like, hmm, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, all right, good, good. I often wondered that with, like, social media, because it's, like, you know, there's so much good in it, but then there's also, like, little boy, this one's a little bit too close for comfort. When I was sort of doing a deep dive, your high school All-American, UVA, um, you know, won every collegiate award you could possibly uh, win. But I wanted to sort of ask you, what was the moment, um, maybe it was junior high, maybe it was high school, maybe it was after that, where you were like, wait, I can do this. Like, I I can be a professional. Was that like a kind of a clear path or you just kept going? Uh, no, it was definitely a clear path. Um, and I often tell this story about how... Um, <laughs> 
actually, it's funny that you're in LA because I grew up in Indiana and my dad, who his name is crazy, Larry Lindsay, that's what everyone <laughs> called him. And I guess because he knows that's his name as well, his nickname. But um, he was like pretty adamant that my brother and I were going to get like soccer scholarships or some kind of sports scholarship to, to pay for college. Right. And he was like early on, he's like, yep worry that's what we're doing and so instead of like you know most parents are like let's go home do your homework before you go play sports it was like complete opposite it was like you're gonna go out there and practice you're gonna do all this extra work and then you know homework will be sprinkled in here and there right I mean he was pretty like gung-ho about my schoolwork as well but it was mainly like I think he felt his biggest impact on my life was going to be like getting me in on a soccer scholarship and then like Okay, I did my part, right? And I'm so, going to take a nap for the next four years. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, where's my dad now? <laughs> Wait, so uh, was it always soccer? Like, did you have a choice? Or were, like when you were little, he was like, you will play soccer, you will get a scholarship. Yeah, uh, well, it was primarily soccer, but I mean, we played all sports, basketball, softball. I ran track and cross country, um, but primarily soccer because my older brother, Chris, played and then it was easier for my parents to like truck us both around um so i played on his teams for a long time and then but i brought up that story because it was really the clear path for me was around eighth grade because of that like pressure early on from my dad like by the time i got to seventh grade i was like i'm done right like this is too much yeah i mean my dad was having us polish our shoes mink color our shoes i was like nine and i'm like (laughs) before before games, I'm like, we're teaching you discipline, right? And I'm like, okay. Am I in the Marines? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had like a mullet. I was like slapping on Chris's brute cologne. So, like, that's the last thing I wanted to do is like call it news, right? Yeah. So, by the time seventh grade hit, I was like, no, this is too much. And I had always dreamed of being, if I wasn't going to be an Olympic track star, which had proven that was not going to be the case quite a few years earlier. Um, I wanted to be a famous actress and I was like, I'm going to LA. I was obsessed with California. I'm going to be this like wonderful actress and get out of Indiana. Right. That was like the whole goal. Get out of Indiana. Yeah. So, um, my mom signed me up for this acting class and it was terrible. Like the class itself was amazing, but yeah. like, there were probably like 15 of us in there and there was like one girl that was like amazing and she was the lead. We did the Diary of Anne Frank, right? So the whole That's thing. That's where she, you started the Diary of Anne Frank? <laughs> Jesus Christ. And I, and I was, I was meek, right? And so it was just like this, it was just really clear that that was not going to be the path for me. And so it was about a six-month period there where I took time off soccer, did this acting thing, sort of, and then I was like, I got to get back to soccer. (laughs) (laughs) But that was actually, like, the best thing because when I hit eighth grade then, so I was like, yeah, seventh, eighth grade, um, went back to soccer. And then that was when there was, like, a big shift for me because prior to that, um, it was, like, all on Larry's terms. And then after that, I was like, Ah, yes. Okay. Here's the deal. I love this game. I love this sport. I find so much joy in it and I want to take it more seriously. And so I, from then on, it was like, I was training on my own. I was doing everything. My dad was like known to like build soccer goals in the backyard so we could practice after, right? So that was still going on. Um, wow. But now like out in the backyard because I wanted to be, right? Yeah. So you have to love it. You have to choose it. You know, otherwise you see, well, I mean, it's sort of like 
child actors, right? Does anybody succeed by 16? They're like drunk in a well, you know, and you're like, oh, this isn't this isn't a good choice. You know what I mean? Because you feel like some of them are like just forced into it. But sports wise, too, you spend so much time. I don't want to brag, but I played. Uh, goalie in high school in Rhode Island. And so I knew, I know the pressure, Lori. I know, I know the pressure, Uh, but no, you have to love it. So in college, were you like, this is, were you also studying something of like, okay, that's the backup plan? Or were you just like, nope, college, professional league, national team? Was it that kind of, that was the mindset? Yeah. I mean, I was absolutely like focused on school and, um, had fun in that regard and then and took that very seriously. But at that time too, I mean, I was pretty, pretty driven and pretty like one track mind. And I was one track mind though, in the fact that, um, I knew I, it's interesting because I had this big goal of like playing on the women's national team, right? Like I knew I want to play in the world cup, play in the Olympics, but it was like every step. That's what I was focused on. Right. I was yeah. just like, okay, next step, next step. But, um, one tr- I, I also understood that like it wasn't going to last forever and I had like a finite um, amount of time to like really make, put my stamp on the game. And so that kept me ticking along because I felt like each step as well, like I was enjoying it, but I was like, okay, well I'm getting a, like, a, yeah. even if I was like 20 years old, I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> like the years are ticking. So <laughs> that's so uh, much so, pressure. I mean, that's so much discipline not- too. You know what I mean? You're like, I can't, I got to brush off my Anne Frank monologues if this doesn't work out. No, I mean, that's a lot. You know, I just think about the mindset we had in college. Like I was, I was playing basketball, but it was like D3. Like we were just, you know, like that was a lot to balance, but you're balancing a D1 scholarship academics. And then also at the age of 20 being like, oh God, the clock's ticking. Like to me, that's. I mean, God, that's overwhelming. Yeah. And it didn't feel that way. It was, it felt like fun and figuring out ways to improve and, um, and just like, yeah, improve the craft. Right. But I also have, it's important to say like, I was in the minority big time with that. Like there wasn't like my friends next to me. I mean, everyone was committed to the game. They're committed to the team. Right. But it was like, okay, like, yeah, I'm playing college soccer. I'm on a scholarship. I've been a great player. I played on youth national teams. The majority of us had, right. Since we were at UVA at a, like a good program. But, um, if it worked out for them to play on afterwards, then they were like, great. But if not, it wasn't like the goal, but like everyone also knew it was like, this is Lori's goal, right? There was like, no, I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't conflicted in that at all. So I think that's obviously what it takes. I mean, you have to give up so much, you know, and then you're like, Oh, I, I do have crazy Larry in me, right? I am, <laughs> I got to channel crazy Larry and get on the field. Uh, it's 2 a.m., but I got to do this. It's really self-driven. It's interesting. Yeah, but you're right. Oh, that's like an, such a funny way to put it. I'm like, oh, Larry, crazy Larry Lindsay is inside of me as yeah. well. No, I mean, I think about too when I'm, you know, doing something ridiculous. I call my parents Cheech and Chong without the pot smoking. I'm like, well, you know, I am Mary and Dick's daughter and they're ridiculous. So, all right. So let's jump into... Uh, it's interesting because your background covers four women's professional leagues, WSA, WPS, WPSL, and NWSL. Oh no, the WPSL um, understands why I understand why you would think that, but the WPSL is more of like a summer league. Oh, so, okay, okay. Um, a lot of like college players will play in it. Um, 
in in the off season or in the summertime. I got gotcha. you. All right. Yeah. So so uh, just for soccer fans and non soccer fans, um, as as a fan of female sports and female so- and just soccer, um, you know, I wanted every year these leagues would come up, right? And then mm-hmm. a couple years later they would fold and another league would start. And as a super fan, you're like, no, 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 God, please, please, like get <laughs> get this together. Like we want to see it, we want to support it. And, and now it feels like in the last couple of years with the with the National Women's Soccer League. I mean, it's beyond a feeding ground now for the U.S. Women's National Team. So I just wanted to ask you, like, as a fan, like, are are do you, are we headed in the right direction? Like, well, full stop. Yes, I do believe that. Um, and as you might as fans been like that, but we were like that as players too. Like, oh yeah. no, please. <laughs> but I can't imagine. This is your job. This is for me. Just being like, I want to watch soccer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want to play. Yeah. Uh, the talk, the the clock's ticking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, I do believe that. I mean, I think if you look at the MLS as well, um, in the early years there was some there were some rocky times yeah. as well, and there was you know the two two Florida teams in MLS they those franchises folded right, and then now we're inching on like 28 teams in MLS, right? So it takes time. It takes time to find the, the right owners. But I do I do feel like we are headed in, in the right direction. I mean, obviously, it's a bummer that we don't have the games in Lifetime oh. um, at the same time, right? Because, yeah. I mean, we, we want to be on network soccer. We want to be able to be bound by fans. Um, at the same time, um, I still have a ton of faith. Uh, this league is different than the previous two because we have individual owners, but also there's the backing of U.S. soccer, which subsidizes some of the money um, for the U.S. players as well, or they pay their contracts, which cuts down on the individual owner's costs. So the model, the business model, looks a lot different than the previous two. Uh, but at the same time, there's learning curves, right? But yeah. if, you're, if you're talking specifically on the field, um, what an amazing league. I mean, the competitiveness oh, of the so league, awesome. the star power, the players that want to come over here. Um, you've seen how it, um, I mean, it's proven to elevate other national teams games, right? We have the most, I mean, I think Australia's full starting lineup that they'll put out in the world cup, all play in our league. And so not only are they getting experience over here playing it with the, as I mentioned, the competitiveness, but they're also they're taking back some of the knowledge that we've used in terms of like equal play, equal pay and bringing that to their federation. Right. And they've been able to get more money for their players. So there's a lot of good that's happening, um, even outside the league. Um, but that's building from the league, I should say. Yeah, that's a really good point. And then I'll I'll jump back into this. But you know, seeing Kerr and seeing Martin, like seeing all these, like you know, we 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 see them once every four years. You know, these superstars from all these different teams across uh, the globe, and now to see their programs getting so much stronger. I mean, I I mean, obviously, I want the USA to win every t- every time, but. It's right. so much more fun when it's like a just you're, you're living and dying for the last kick. You know what I mean? Like it, it's it's so exciting when we're. I mean Australia. I just feel like all of a sudden you're like, I mean we could have fallen lost to them in the last World Cup if it wasn't for Rapina like sewed on a cape and came out there and just dominated. Like I was just like, oh my god, thanks, thank God for Rapina. You know what I mean? Like so. Uh, well, I, I pretty much say that every day. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> here's what I want to ask you though. From from your experience in the other leagues, 
you know, would it would it seriously just be like going along and it's fine and all of a sudden like you get a call and it's like there's there's no team, there's no league? Like how brutal of a situation was it? Because it's not like, I mean, the salaries also, I looked it up in, in this year's salary. So 2019, the minimum is 16000 and the max is forty six. This is six, seven months of play. I mean, it's insane. Besides playing on the national team, so don't get me wrong, because um, the contracts with the national team um, are extremely great, right? Yeah. And there's always room for improvement on those ends too, 100%. But you can make a really great living playing on our national team. And there's a big discrepancy between playing on our national team and the players aren't, right? You just yeah. mentioned those salaries. And I think this is the only profession where I start off making more money in like my rookie year than my last year. Yeah. <laughs> Something's going on here. Right? Um, was it brutal? Yes. The first league, for sure. Because what happened was, I remember, um, I think only the national team players were privy to the information about um, what was actually kind of going on with the league and that there was potential that it was going to fold. And we knew that, and it wasn't like it was secretive or anything, but we had the World Cup coming up in 2000, 2003. And so it was, it was very much like, okay, we want to focus on this. This is going to help like elevate the game in the, in the U S right. Yeah. So it was more, more about that. And then there was all the SARS stuff going on. So we had to host, um, the 2003, um, world cup when it was actually supposed to be hosted in China. Oh, so there's right. just a lot around that, but it was like, honestly, one day I had gone back to Virginia to finish up school and, um, train there in the off season. And I remember like sitting there watching a Virginia men's soccer game and somebody was like, Lori, <laughs> the WSA folded. <laughs> I was like, what? And then I like looked at my phone, right? And I think, I think yeah, because I would have had a cell phone back then. Gosh, I'm dating myself. But um, right, I was able to get to my email, and there was like a whole email about it, right? So it wasn't like we even got information um, first, right? Somebody else had given me the information, and I was like, what? So that was brutal. The second league, we kind of knew things were it was it was struggling because we had gone I think from I'm not gonna remember the exact but eight teams and then by the end we we're at six teams. There were some issues with the Magic Jack owner um, in relationship to the other owners. Right, there was like a lot of um, tension there. So there was rumblings about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So less brutal in that regard in terms of like it wasn't just like damn see ya right. Yeah. We, we just kind of knew there was like this like slow decline there. And then a couple of years later, um, NWSL. Yeah. So what's fascinating is how, how women, let's say that are not on the national team, right? All these women that you played for, it's so competitive. There's so few that actually make it that mm -hmm. you're playing on these leagues. I wanted to, you know, kind of give our listeners like a snapshot. Did most of these players have coaching jobs or retail or, I, I don't think a lot of people realize like you can't really make a living or you can make part of a living and how hard it is to be a professional soccer player, but still like try to keep your head above water financially. It's, it's something that men typically don't have to worry about, right? There's just higher pay and sponsorship. Yeah. Well, it is difficult, right? And, and those players are, some are doing coaching, some are doing camps or clinics, um, personal training on the side. Um, you know, for the most part, a lot of the players are, um, there's help with housing. So when you are playing your seven months, it's not like you're playing astronomical amounts, um, okay. to find a place to like rent, right. Regardless of what city you're in. Um, and some of that's through the teams themselves helping and other, and others 
it's like everyone's just kind of like getting a group together and living together in a house or an apartment, right? So, um, and, that, and that varies, obviously, depending on what city you're in. But um, at the same time, yeah, finding extra work, um, you know, there's a lot of times now there's availability to play year-round. So I mentioned a lot of Australians coming over to play. We have a ton of players that go over to Australia, and that helps. So you're, you're not just playing seven months. You're actually playing the full 12 months, and you can make up and get close to, I mean, listen, it's been about four years since I played in Australia because that's how long it's been since I retired. Um, so I'm sure the, the pricing has varied a little bit now or the, the, um, the salaries, but you can make up. Yeah. Sometimes you can yeah. make up that, right? what you're making here in the NWSL. In so there's ways to, to make a living that doesn't feel like you're like, like, you know, everything is being watched as well. Yeah. So. My dream for all these, you know, female athletes is like they, play and they make a, a lot of money and that's it <laughs> like the dudes you know what I mean like there always just seems like women are always like oh, I gotta work 10 hours at the gap and then I gotta go play with the Chicago Red Stars beat the you know you're like how do you d- do it all um, and we're seeing it now with the WNBA too you know and, and then of course the the soccer loss that we could touch upon but um, you know, uh, Brianna Stewart blows her knee out in the European League. She's the MVP of this league, and now everyone's like, "Oh, but we we gotta pay these ladies more, so they don't go to China or they don't go to Russia, where they're making mil- a million dollars, and mm-hmm. here, you know, they're making fifty grand. Like it's obviously that can bleed us right into the the lawsuit, which to me is incredibly exciting. I mean, I know it's gonna take uh, years, but I can just imagine there's a ton of support and communication on all the players and former players about this lawsuit for equal pay. Yeah, well, I think, uh, let me back up real quick too, because I wanna make it clear that, you know, money and like what amount of money looks looks like, it varies greatly, right, yeah. across the board on what that means to, to people, whether you're in sports or not, right? But if yeah. you're looking, I mean, you make a good point because if you're looking at what we're making, though, in this league, regardless if you're going to Australia or where you're going, right, if you're going on loan to Europe, it is vastly different than what the men are making considerably, right? So I just want to make that point because I don't want to say, like, oh, it's not like people are, like, watching every penny. But, yes, in con- comparison, 100% they are, and it's – greatly getting underpaid for the work that they're doing and being a professional athlete. It's, it's with the national teams too. in the lawsuit, it's never about getting paid the same as the men because the contracts and the CBAs are so different, right? The men come yeah. in, they get paid, paid by appearance. If they make the team, if they make a roster for a tournament. It looks so different. So it's not like, Hey, we need to have the same contracts as the men. That's not what's looking like. That's not what it's ever been about either. It's just, this is the work we do. We do the same amount of work. So compensate us because your argument about us not bringing in revenue, not um, being a known team, right? It, yeah. This is, yeah. It's this. It's nothing. It's nothing now because we actually have numbers that show that that's not the case. Yeah. And so also, hey, enough's enough. Like this current lawsuit. If you're going to make money off of us, and we're gonna and you're gonna use us to make the money, then we should get a percentage of that, whether it's appearance fee, whatever, right? Yeah. And that's the argument. So like if we're gonna be in camp and you're gonna have some company's gonna come in, a media company wants to do stories on us and they're gonna pay you X amount of money, then we should get a cut of that, right? Yeah. Because it's our time, it's you're you're making money off of us. And Though, and that's where it's, it's essentially gotten to, right? In the past, they haven't paid for that. They've just 
gotten off scot-free, have made the money and moved on. And the women are just like, enough, no more, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I also read this really interesting article that I wasn't even aware of, of the, in the collective bargaining agreement, the U.S. soccer, they didn't raise the, uh, the salaries, but they raised the bonuses. However, the bonuses you're only, which is risky, right? Because you're only getting a bonus if you if you win. You're not getting a bonus if you lose or you draw. And then mm-hmm. with the current team, the last couple of years, uh, they're saying they 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 could have lost out on like over a million dollars because. Um, and again, this is like just I think it's just kind of super interesting because you know Coach Ellis. I always I call her Tinker Taylor. Soldier spy, but now uh, a guest has now reframed it as Tinker Taylor Soldier sigh, <laughs> which made me laugh even harder. Um, but you know she's tinkering. I, I just you know every day I'm like enough of the tinkering. I think everybody has that same sentiment. But she's just tinkering, trying to figure out lineups, figure out players. But then in the course of the last couple of years, if you're putting let's say three co- you know seniors in college on the back line trying to figure it out, ups a couple things happen. There goes four goals, you know. And now we draw to England. Now we lose. Now the pay, now the bonuses, they don't make their bonuses. And I'm like, oh, my God. And even like, I didn't even know that was a thing. So it's even more, you know, fuel to the fire of like up these salaries, up the pay, because you can't be surviving on bonuses that may or may not happen, especially when you have Tinker Taylor, you know, as your head coach. (laughs) That nickname is so... I'm upset. I'm upset. I just... Yeah. I mean, you know, there's always yeah. some interesting things happening there. But, you know, there's consistency in that in that tinkering, right? <laughs> well, there's consistency in the non-consistency. I feel like my mom is going to be playing left back at any point in time. It's ridiculous. <laughs> That's the beauty of it, too, because it's kind of like... Who knows? Maybe they will, but this is what we expect. We can't say this is totally awesome. Lori, I don't see any beauty in this whatsoever. Every time I turn, I turn on the TV, I'm like, what? Who's that? I don't even know that lady. I might be sitting back up soon, so. <laughs> All right, before we go into, like, kind of uh, your strength and conditioning and, and Ninja Warrior and your broadcasting, obviously it's insane preparation going into the World Cup, but sort of, like, what were your expectations and how did it, it, it exceed them and sort of just a couple of takeaways because it's not every day where you're talking to someone that was in the, the World Cup and I was in Vegas doing stand-up comedy shows, uh, day drinking because of my nerves. <laughs> we were we were day drinking too. <laughs> so wild. Um, the story I like to tell the the most is that prior to that World Cup, we'd had like a we had a, like a ton of ebbs and flows to women's soccer. Right, it was yeah. like the '99ers they win, and then we have the WUSA launch after that, and then it folds. We had the 2003, but then we win the 2004 Olympics. Right, so there's just like so many ebbs and flows, excitement around these big tournaments. But and the same kind of started to feel true around 2011 as well. But um, so leading, we had a send-off game at Red Bull Stadium um, outside New York against Mexico, and there's like 5,000 fans. Right, we ended up winning this game, but it was kind of like good luck in Germany. Yeah, like like diehard fans know that we're going right. <laughs> and then it was the perfect storm because if I remember correctly, it's like NBA had just finished. Um, baseball was on strike that year and we go, we were not playing well. Like we had this like 
mini camp prior when we got over to to Europe and we lost to like Norway 2-0 and it was just like oh goodness right we just weren't like <laughs> a lot of tinkering I think there's yeah. <laughs> tinkering at that time <laughs> uh, it was like we're still going with this lineup okay yeah. but um, regardless we um go into the tournament right it was like a little touch and go at the beginning then we meet Brazil in the quarterfinals and again, like I said, it was a perfect storm. Abby, like we get a red card. Rachel Bueller's out of the game, right? It's That's um, crazy. Abby scores in the 120th minute, tied up. Allie Krieger wins the like hits the winning penalty kick, right? And then we go in, and then we end up losing in the final. But it was the wildest thing because so many people tuned in, just happened to tune in to ESPN did a remarkable job in terms of the coverage back home. So it would just started like everyone was like what's happening over in germany right the women's team like there was also excitement because it was kind of like are they going to be the first team out like this early in and not medal because we've had medaled in everything that we participated in and so then abby right like that was ridiculous it was bonkers from then on and i say this a lot when i do some speeches like do speaking events is like that was like that was literally like the launching pad, right? Because since then, we haven't played in front of like fewer than I would say fifteen to twenty thousand fans here in the U.S. When we did, like myself and Megan, I think Allie and Heather O'Reilly were all on Rachel Maddow. We did a series of like different all the morning shows. When we came back. I mean, we even got sec- we didn't even win. We got second place, right? Lost in the final, and so. But it was just like that was it, right? It was like soccer is here to stay, especially. If- in in regards to our women's national team consistently, right? Yeah. Obviously, we're still, like, as we talked about with the NWSL, there's touch and go. It doesn't – when those players in the national team are dispersed to their individual teams, we don't get as strong as backing consistently right now, right? But um, in terms of the elevation of soccer, players watching, um, and just the excitement around the national team, yeah. Yeah, that was it. That to me, I just remember um, uh, doing shows and everyone's just like, where are you watching the game? What's going like, you know, it was just it, it, it. and then the Brazil after the Brazil game, I was I was so exhausted as a fan that I was like, I don't even I don't even know if I can watch the final. I can't even like, I can't even imagine playing. And then the Japan game. You know, I've said this before on the podcast, but it was such an interesting game because the Brazil I mean, that's just got to be one of the, like, the most epic games of all time, right? Then you go into Japan, but Japan's backstory was insane because of the tsunami. Yeah. And when Ew. I'm telling you, I have never watched a game where halfway through I was like, I guess I'm cheering for Japan because <laughs> the co- the commentators... I, oh, I, I yeah. was like, uh, th- you know, this one's like, she lost her entire family under a wave, starting midfielder. You're like, oh, fuck. I, I got a cheer for Japan. It, it was wild. And, and I talk about how it was like women's soccer is here to stay. Those players in Japan yeah. are celebrities, right? Like they've had the same impact on women's soccer in Japan. In so that, from that awesome. World Cup. And so, yeah, I mean, it was like we let we let that game slip away. We should. It should have been three or four zero in the first half, and we didn't convert any of our chances. And then obviously we lost in the penalty kicks. But um, at the end of the day, you're kind of looking back and you're like, Yeah. I mean, they, they were literally carrying this country on their back, and I, like they 
Yeah. That, like they were, it made sense, right? It just all made sense. So. That's the only but, team I felt like we could a lot. I always say we, cause I felt like part of the team uh, that I, I was like, okay. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's Japan, yeah. but are you guys on this, like playing on that team, how how did you go from that epic Brazil game to like it was it just like I guess it's like this is what we do like but but I felt like the emotions of that semifinal and then mm-hmm. going into Japan the Japan's backstory and the penalty kicks it just felt like how did how did you guys keep it together well we actually because we had to play Actually, that was a quarterfinals. Oh, that was a quarterfinals. That's right. That's yeah, right. Chance in the semifinals, and then, but um, honestly, like it, it, it was well. One, our national team is known for its mentality, right? So yeah. there was no way that we weren't going to bounce back. The depth of our team um, was going to help us as well. Um, but it was really that's the difference. I mean, that's what the World Cup is all about. You ask kind of like, what's it like? What's yeah. what's like going into it? And it's really about who can manage their emotions because, and I'm, I think it will be very, very similar in even on like a greater scale in France. Um, because Germany, smaller country, you could bust to everything. I think we only had to fly to one, um, one game, our friends and family, U S soccer does an amazing job and they hosted them in Frankfurt and then they would bus them like three huge buses to wherever we were going. And like I said, that would be similar to the the teams in France. Whereas in Canada, it was quite a bit more disjointed because there was so much more flying, such a bigger country. Right. But like in Germany, you just felt the excitement of the fans and it didn't, it didn't matter where the fans were. It didn't matter if they were German, they were all just so excited about the tournament. And so if you don't realize you have security to get into your hotels, you have security to get out of your hotels, there's tarps around all your fields, right? It's just, everything is a process. And so everything is like that much more heightened and draining. And so really it comes down to being able to manage your emotions and like chill out and like I think of myself as like a pretty like I want to get out and meet people like social person right and like we were able to walk around and it was fun but like you have to be careful of that because it's just you have three days between each game but it's like bam 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 and then like before you know it, it's like you're playing again so did like, people F- freak out like did anyone on the team like f- just we were like okay get it get it together like or did did anybody go out of character no i don't no absolutely not in fact it was just like this is amazing <laughs> like you're you're managing the excitement like that instead yeah. of like somebody going out of character but like uh, like abby bombach like we wouldn't see abby like on days off, right? We'd go to training and then she'd finish like full on like series of shows. Like she just like <laughs> locked herself in her room, right? And so everyone has their own like different way of handling yeah. what's happening and, and getting away. So um What was your if, where's your prep? Like what was your pregame routine? Did you have like a like a on point thing? My I mean my pregame routine stayed fairly consistent throughout my I mean I tinkered it a little bit in terms of Uh, (laughs) there's that word again um in in as i matured and grew older but like um no i mean i was like a little ocd where everything on the right side had to go on first like i wasn't putting a left sock on before my right like okay that's awesome (laughs) well you had everything on the right side had to go on before the left side 
So like I would, if I'm going to, like I would put like the right sock on and then the left sock and the right shoe, but I would never put something like the left shoe would never go on before the right shoe. Like, and I would never even do that in my life today. Like that. I can't even like actually kind of, I can like feel it here when I say that. Right. (laughs) Oh my God. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, and then some people are totally like random and not even like that at all. Right. So, but I would, you know, you, you have your pregame meal and then you, like have some time to relax and have a shower before games. I mean, you listen to music. Then we have kind of like a fun like locker room thing where some people want to dance and go wild. Some people are like myself would be dancing, but then also listening to like eighties love ballads. So, oh, like, solid. Like, <laughs> that was like what's pumping me up. So yeah. it just like totally varies, right? And yeah. It's, um, not- Is there a part- one particular eighties love ballad that got you fired up for the oh, world? Oh goodness. Cup? Um, What's that song? Meet me halfway. Oh would be yeah. Kenny Loggins. Kenny Loggins. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just downloaded a 60s, 70s and 80s light FM Spotify playlist that was blowing my mind this past weekend. Okay. 60s, 70s and 80s light FM. All right. Yeah. I'm it's actually out. called soft rock on the Spotify <laughs> channel because I put in light FM and apparently there's a band called light FM and I'm like big mistake, but whatever. So technically if you're looking for it, it's called soft rock, but tons of Kenny Loggins, a lot of REO, a lot of air supply, just timeless classics. Perfect. I love that. I love that you went 80s love Valerie. <laughs> <laughs> and then Megan, like, because Megan and I would always, Rapina, we'd be bus, bus mates. And she was listening to some new, like, hip song or something. I was like, whatever. <laughs> Meanwhile, get back to my Kenny Loggins. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. You retired out of soccer. Um, and I want to talk about sort of that strength and, and conditioning. And now you're more into commentating. So uh, just kind of talk us through how you got into that. Is that just something you've always been um, obviously interested in and sort of how the game has changed uh, with the conditioning? Yeah, it was around that time when I was telling you about, um, you know, my really successful acting stint um, and then coming back to soccer, right? Um, I started lifting uh, my freshman year, I think it was. Um, and and for me, it was really a way of a lot of like the great players um, that I was playing on the youth national teams were coming from California, New Jersey. And there was just like a year round competitive environment that they were training in. And not that I didn't have a competitive, competitive environment in Indiana, but it just wasn't considered like a soccer hotbed. Yeah. So for me, I was like, okay, how am I going to continue to like separate myself and get better? And then anytime I get called into national team camps, be ready, right? Just something that was going to make me better. And it just so happened when I went into high school, um, the football coach had just started a strength and conditioning class. So I happened to um, join my dad. Was like I say, I happened to join it, but my dad was like, you're joining that. And uh, crazy Larry drop and give me 80. Yeah. A fun little tidbit about that though is, um, um, Oh God, I hope I am. Yeah. So another, the other, the other woman in the class, Amber Campbell, so it was just the two of us and it was all like high school football guys or whatever. Right. And, but they, it was like such a fun environment. They were cheering us on. Like we do like max bench and like max squat. I mean, it's hilarious. Like everything that I'm like, should I be doing this? But at the time I'm like, yeah, this is great. Right. But, uh, myself and Amber Campbell, Amber Campbell, we both competed at the 2012 Olympics. She was, um, 
a hammer thrower, I think is what he called it. No and she, way. And she's been, she, in 2016 too so i'm like well that strength and conditioning class like was doing something right oh my god so, what are the odds you're yeah, both in the she was doing hammer yeah. in the olympics you're playing soccer is she a gay lady i mean i mean if you're uh, pumping weights and throwing the hammer i mean you know everyone's a little gay but um, i feel like I, that's brand i don't know I identify, so <laughs> I don't, <laughs> well let's contact her and see what the deal okay. is okay um, and okay <laughs> so but in regards to strength and conditioning, that kind of became my story. Like I was always finding little ways to get better. And I was really dedicated to that in college. Again, like that was no secret to my teammates. Everybody knew that, right? It was like um, just finding different ways to propel my game and, and stay healthy. And so, I mean, one thing, and this is like, a, would be like a whole nother podcast, right? But what you don't talk about a lot and it's starting to get to talk about talked about more is like kind of what that transitions like from playing to not playing. And it can be really challenging just in the fact that not only that you identify as a soccer player and that you're like, ah, this looks totally different, right? My life. And in many ways, so awesome too. It's not like this like crazy fearful thing all the time, but it's also about just being okay with like, Hey, I've been on this one track mine for so like this one track for so long. So, so specific. Right. And then I come back and I retire and it's like, okay, I think I'm going to, you know, I love fitness. I want to do strength and conditioning. This is the path that feels right. And then it's like two years, you find yourself like, okay, I like this, but I I don't want to be in the gym all the time. And then you're course correcting. Right. And that's where it's the challenging part is to be okay with like not knowing. And it's okay that like you had this one track for so long and it might not look like that after you're playing for a bit, right? Yeah. Or ever. That to me must be uh, one of the hardest things you can possibly do as a professional athlete, decide when to retire and then that what that looks like, you know? I mean, people yeah. change, you know, for you guys, you, you've been playing your whole life, but, you know, most people have changed careers seven, eight, nine times by the time they're 50, you know what I mean? Or just, or at least they've been phoning <laughs> for about 30 yeah. years, you know what I mean? So this is your whole life, um, and then, okay, what's, you know, what's after? So that was mm-hmm. sort of the easiest kind of transition uh, away from playing is to, to stay in the game and to help people with their strength and conditioning. Yeah, and it looked like really differently throughout this couple of years too. Like I was working with young athletes, um, your young soccer players, right, that wanted to go to the next level and just stay healthy and prevent any injuries to like, our age, right? Who was doing like kind of like a general population, um, which is fun, both aspects. But I almost bought into, I was living, I reside in Philadelphia now, but I was living in DC for over a decade. It was kind of my home base when I was playing, regardless of like with the national team or what other cities I was playing in. Mm-hmm. But um, I almost bought into a few different gyms in, in DC. And then I'd get like these like bodily reactions that were like, what are you doing? Don't do that. <laughs> Right. And so those were starting to be like the signs that I was like, is this the right, you yeah. know, it was just, there was something about it that I was just like, mm, I don't love this. Right. And I, I do, but I don't. And I knew that like I needed to step away from the game in a way. And, but then I was getting the urge to be back in, back in it. And while I was training young athletes, I felt further away because in the gym. Right. And like, there's a lot of convincing of like how this can help too. Right. Which is, which is like a whole nother thing. But, um, yeah, for me, it was just like, let me, let me, it was tough to say like, this is what I was going to do. And then kind of like venture out of it. Cause I yeah. know 
to some friends and stuff, people were like, whoa, like this is what's going to happen. They who are still playing. Right. I think it looked as if like, I was like really struggling in some ways. And in, and which is just human. I mean, of course you're going to struggle. Everybody's going to struggle. Yeah. And in some ways I was, but then other times it was also like, no, I'm just, you know, navigating what feels right and what doesn't do. So, so um, while processing all of it. So I, well, I mean, I can't imagine, I mean, you got to give yourself like so much to like leeway. I mean, you know, you're so uh, also, it, it just must feel like, well, what do I do with my weekend? What do I do with my 5am workout? What like your whole life has been so regimented. And then it's yeah. like, well, I can, I can literally do anything right now. So what do you choose? Heather, Heather Metz, a former teammate of mine, and we've laughed about this too. Um, she lives outside of Philadelphia here as well, but I was operating cause like with the national team, it's like this 1%, right? So it's always like, how are like, what's separating you from the next player, right? Because it's such small details. And I come out of the national team and I'm retiring and I'm like still operating in that. Right. And like everybody I was surrounded with were like, you're going to need to chill out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't under- think you understand you've built this platform. Right. But I was so used to like th- that mentality and that mindset that I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I got to like, <laughs> they're like, I'm pretty sure you shoot mail off to these people. They're going to want to like chat with you. Right. And I'm like, Oh, so there's this like a level of like, okay, let me just chill out too. Yeah. Like, let's see. So you're like, uh, uh, uh we're going to have a dinner at six o'clock sharp. Uh, then we're going to catch a movie from seven 30 to nine 30. We're going to review well, that movie. Then we're going to get a beer and we're going to relax from 12 to 1245. And you're like, okay. and Abby talks about that a lot. She's like, can somebody just send me a schedule of my week? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that the scheduling is a whole nother thing too. Oh so. God, there's so many levels. Uh, all right, so talk to me about uh, the American uh, Ninja Warrior. I literally just—I mean, you just posted that. Uh, so I was like, "What? What is this yeah. uh, slice of goodness I get to talk to you about?" Basically, what happened is U.S. Or excuse me, American Ninja Warrior contacted U.S. Soccer because they're like, "Okay, World Cup coming up. Let's promote this. Like, let's get somebody on." Um, what players do you have available? And they were like, well, obviously we don't have current players available because it's not going to work for their schedule plus injury, right? That's yeah, it's like happen. the dumbest thing. <laughs> and it was like basically like, do you have any former players that are prepared enough? And it was kind of like, as I mentioned, a tr- transition out of that, yeah. um, the most part that's kind of, again, that, that story's followed me, right? So everyone knows that like I still work out and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. It was like my name and Heather Mitz, and Heather Mitz just had her third child this past August, so it was kind of like, you're it, Lori. <laughs> Go do like it. I, yeah, I wake up, and I have this, like, American Ninja Warrior email that's like, you, like, your name has been thrown at us, like, in a serious way, right? Like, do you want to try this? And I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> and so, of course, I'm like, yes, because I want to play. It's not my dream to be an American Ninja Warrior champion or anything, yeah. but I am like really into promoting women's sport and, um, IE soccer. And then also, um, American Ninja Warrior sounds awesome. And I have a ton of respect for those athletes. And it has been so many, there have been so many LOLs and so humbling in terms of like this athleticism that like I've never tapped into. So those videos that you saw were so real because (laughs) like I should have been doing this when I was three to like, get any fear out right no i'm like am i gonna break my neck on this like it's terrifying i've seen some of those shows where you're like how does how do people do that i know it's wild so i don't know i still don't and i have a week to 
left to prepare. So I'm a little bit like, how's this going to go? But, um, wait, so you shoot it, you shoot it in a week and then it'll air sometime this I, summer or before the world it, cup. Actually, so yeah, I compete this Sunday night, but I don't know like who makes it on TV, who doesn't, uh, like I all gotcha. that. Yeah. I, I just yeah. know that they're like, I had submitted the application, I did the video, they uh, put me in the time slot. I have Lori Lightning Lindsay t shirts being made for my 15 so fans. That- awesome. So I mean, it's pretty, it's, it's, it's really like a full on thing and hilarious and amazing. And I feel like very honored and like, Oh, it's so cool. What a a fun life, right? Like this is amazing. So, and like, I want to be respectful and I have been training because, because people really compete, compete and take this seriously and they, they compete a lot. So. Yeah. Are there are there moves? Do they send you just because I don't know a lot about? I mean, I just know of it. I've watched some clips, but uh, do they send you specific like you're going to be doing this move and and like do, do you have a specific like warrior trader? Is that something? Or well, I did hire. I there's a local gym that's more of like parkour, but they do like tonight. I have American Ninja Warrior training, and they set up obstacle courses and stuff. And so this guy, one of the coaches there, has been helping me, but. When I go to Baltimore, because that's where we film. Okay. This weekend, there is a gym that allows competitors who are competing this weekend to go, and it gives the actual obstacle course. Ah. So you get. But the thing is, is like from my understanding too, it's like I mean, you see these these people compete that have trained forever, how long, right? And yeah. then it's it's some well, there's I think there's a lot of luck involved too right so it's, it's just like really- hunger games it's like you're meeting your competitors <laughs> I would be trying to take them out left and right and be like putting butter on the mats be like yeah. sorry Tom good luck <laughs> crossbow whoops I hit Bill oh it is hunger games I mean it's so funny but um I've had quite a few like competitors like reach out and have been like amazing they're like do you want to train together? And so I do a lot of commentating down in Florida because that's where we call games for our pro league. So I've been traveling back and forth on the weekends for that. But this week I don't have to prepare for any games or anything. So I'll have a little bit more free time. So hopefully I'll be meeting up with them before the fully five, uh, t- just tell just quickly. So at least we can, uh, uh, follow you uh, on the commentating. When you said Florida, do you mean, what does that exactly exactly mean for the national team or Orlando pride or what are, what are your, okay. In the so, book? yeah. So for the NWSL national women's soccer okay. league, our program, um, we used to have one game a week on lifetime. Right. Yeah. And so that game would be live at the stadium, but the way that a lot of commentating is going, broadcast is going these days is for more cost efficient, um, more cost efficiency is, um, through like you call games out of studios. So we, we're in a studio, we see the screen, we're not actually live at the game, but we see everything that the viewer does, right? Oh. So there's some pluses and minuses to that because we hear Nat sounds, we have, we have cameras at the field, we can hear the field and the sounds, but obviously we're um, handcuffed, for lack of a better yeah. term, to what the viewers see and what we're able to get from the cameras, right? So there's, there's some pluses and minuses to it, but... MLS said that we call all um, the league below MLS, which is United Soccer League USL. They call all their games from there as well. So there's a ton of games, and it's down in Fort Lauderdale. So and I so, travel. I gotcha. So wait, so do you know you'll get the schedule of like, all right, I'm going to call you know Portland, North Carolina this week. Yeah. And you'll get paired. Do you are you usually paired up with the same person, or is it just? 
This past week, I was paired up with the same play-by-play guy, yes. Okay. Um, last year, um, I would – it would vary. Like, so I, I saw s- quite a few of the same play-by-play guys, um, but they wouldn't be, like, multiple games necessarily in a weekend. It would be like I'd have one guy and then another game with another um, another guy and then – or Jordan Angeli, let's say. Yeah. There's not a women play-by-play right now. Um, and then the next weekend would be a little bit different. So it just really varies, um, which is sometimes a good thing. And then sometimes it's a challenge because one of the things, if you see on like a lot of the networks like Fox or um, ESPN, right, it's usually the same, the same people. Yeah. And then they have a rapport. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, um, but it's, it's really, as I mentioned, I just started doing it about a little over a year ago. So it's a great way to get a ton of reps, which is like anything else. You just have to get the reps and find ways to talk about the game. That's different than just me sitting next to my friend because I know the game, right? I know the game. I can talk about it, but there's, it's different. Like that's what people don't know. It's like you have brought, you have producers in your ears, people talking to you. There's countdowns. You have, it's live. You have to be succinct, articulate about what's happening and you make mistakes and you move on. And then you hear about the mistakes later. Uh, this is so awesome that this is like your new, your new path. That's so great. And I like that you call it rep. So you still have your sports lingo, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. You have to be professional and sort of hold yourself back. But at the same time, you are a, you are a professional soccer player. You're just like, get it together, Jen. Or like, you know what I mean? Like, it must be hard to separate that passion. That is the toughest part, right? Because it's like twofold. It's like, sometimes you're like, well, that was the biggest bonehead thing you ever done. Right. So easy for me to say that, yeah. but like, you can't say that on air. And then the, and then on the flip side of that too, is like, I will get like fired up. Right. And like, I'll see an opportunity. And I'm like, Oh my God, what like a great strike or something. Right. But then like part of broadcast, you have to like hold off. You don't like, as an analyst, we don't just like start yelling. Right. And being like, Oh my God. So you have to wait. And then they show, cause they're showing like, if they score a goal and they show like the celebration and then we come in. Right. And so you have to bring that excitement, but at the same time, still articulating. And so for me, it's like twofold. It's like, like always finding positives and constructive criticism as well. Right. A fine balance, but then also being able to like, I mean, I kind of, I like to joke around and have fun and it's bringing that out because there's also an element of like where I'm like, okay, well, I want to be serious too, because I respect this game, but I'm like, how can I bring more of my personality into the the broadcast and and so that's what takes time and that's where when you have a play-by-play chemistry helps and also the reps because then you get more comfortable on air you um relax just like anything you yeah. can relax right and it's just like okay like this should be fun and yeah. so i can like, laugh and be like what was that but amazing on the back of the net <laughs> i know that it is it's just a, a total it's a total skill i think i i like one of my dreams is do color commentary but like you know be the complete horse's ass like i need two people like that know what they're talking about and then i'll join in and being like you know my fear is just to scream like holy shit balls way too many times but uh you should you should i'll bombard your booth when you have a professional job and then i'll be like hey Lori, i'm right outside the booth yeah, no i think this is <laughs> a great idea i think you should do nwsl replays right national team replays but you just add in funny commentary over all the highlights you know what we should do we should call because every show now has a behind the show right i mean it's like game of thrones and it's like behind game of thrones it's like <laughs> breaking back whatever what's that show with the um 
uh, with the zombies walking dead and it's like talking dead. So Uh, we should get a show where we do National Women's Soccer League after the game. Yes, that would be amazing. I would Someone call someone. (laughs) I got to get my mom. We need that. That would be so funny. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow up with some aggressive emails. All right, Foley five number one. What is the thing in your life that's similar to nails on a chalkboard? Like what drives you crazy? Mm, what drives me crazy? Ah, oh, that's a good one. I feel like I don't. You know when you're you're flipping through magazines mm-hmm. and like subscription things. Yeah, they're oh, wow. they're awful. Yeah. Okay. Good answer. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like those uh, thick perfume ads where you're like, oh, and then you you're just start like tearing up and then you just throw it across the room. I don't know. Uh, if you weren't, a, I think you sort of alluded to this, but we'll get you another one. If you were a soccer player, uh, uh, what would be your profession? Well, I'd be a famous actress. I was going to say that we've got to do an Anne Frank callback at some point in time. Uh, get me on the stage. A series of humorous Anne Frank monologues. Uh, how do you shut out the world and relax? Um, reading or meditation. Nice. Something has gone terribly wrong and you're on death row. Listen, life is complicated. Uh, what is your last meal? <sighs> There's this place in Philadelphia that has these chocolate almond croissants, and I would have that. How many? I mean, it's your last meal. I would do four. Four? <laughs> <Just> specific. <laughs> I'm going to actually stop at four, and then I'm going to die. Um, you have a long weekend, unlimited funds. Where do you go? What do you do? Um, south of France. So I've yet to be there. Nice. Or visit. South of France. Bike ride around. Eat good food. Just relax and read. That sounds fantastic. That's and with all the money we'll be making from our new National Women's Soccer League <laughs> after the game show, Listen, you'll be able to buy a villa in France. That idea will make big time bucks, I feel. Uh, yeah, and we just trademark it. Uh, is that a word, uh, fans? So don't uh, don't steal our idea. Uh, Laura, you're a national treasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. This was amazing, and so many uh, so many laughs. So great. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Sports Without Balls. If you want more, and I know you do, hop on over to patreon.com slash sportswithoutballs for extended interviews, bonus content, videos, ways to donate. It's all on patreon.com slash sportswithoutballs. And one more exciting announcement. I have a new comedy album called Deep Dive. It is available right now. iTunes, Spotify, Pandora. Download my album, Deep Dive. It's hysterical. You will love it. Sports Without Balls fans, friends, family, have the best week of your life.